Thanks for tuning into this week's podcast. If you'd like to know more about our ministry, you can check us out on the web at hillsideassembly.org. You're about to hear a message from our current message series, and I hope you open your heart and mind to hear a word from God today. Everybody's still awake today. It's great to be here with you today. It's a great fall morning. Uh, welcome to Hillside Assembly, whether you're here in person uh, or if you're watching online today. We're excited about what God wants to do today in your life. Uh, we want to make a few uh, announcements here this morning. First off, uh, when we g- we'll give you an opportunity to give today for those that are here in our service live. You can give as you leave, as you exit service in our giving tubes over here as you exit. Uh, you can always give online at hillsideassembly.org. You can also find out a lot about our church there as well. And so take advantage of that resource. Uh, we're excited about an event that we're doing uh, with Operation Christmas Child. We want to provide Christmas gifts to kids who wouldn't otherwise get a Christmas gift this season. You can participate in that. All the information that you need uh, to be able to participate in that is over here at our tent. Uh, and so stop by the tent, ask those ladies about it. They'd be happy to give you all the information, including a box that you can pack yourself. And so we're asking that all those packages come back in by November 7th uh, to help us out and that we can make sure those get out in time to get to the kids that need them this Christmas season. I'm also excited because we're looking at our Christmas Eve service. We're looking at doing a drive-in Christmas nativity. It'll be really neat. More information about that coming in the weeks ahead. We also have a great event planned for our youth, and you can stop by our table as well and pick up the information on that. Now, you might notice this morning that our worship team is not out here. And as for a couple of things, uh, towards the end of the week, I was recovering from uh, a sinus and an inner ear infection. Uh, So I've been out of the office the last several days. And so uh, we weren't quite prepped for the cold weather like we would have liked, but that's okay. Next week, we will have our worship team back out. We'll have heaters for them out here, and we will finish the month of October strong with our worship team outside. They are indoors today, but they're going to provide a great opportunity for us to worship today. Are you ready to hear a word from God and to worship our Savior this morning? Well, let's pray, and then I'll kick this over to Mike. Lord, we thank you this morning, God, for the tremendous opportunity, God, that we have to engage with you, to hear a word of hope from you today. Lord, I feel for several this morning, they may be up against decisions and choices that aren't crystal clear. And God, I believe today that you're going to help them be able to put the next step in the piece of their puzzle to help them move forward with the decisions and choices that they have to make this week and the weeks ahead. Lord, we thank you to be able to engage in worship. And Lord, while, while this may not be convenient, uh, it may not be what we, we, we think of as a normal worship experience this morning, what it is is a tremendous opportunity for our worship to cost us something today. And just like David said that, that his worship would not cost him anything, he, he felt the need 
for there to be a cost to his worship. And Lord, we want to engage with you this morning. We want to push through our own mindset, our own, our own issues this morning to engage of a time of worship with you. So Lord, as we transition to that time in our service, Lord, we pray that you would move in your power and your might in people's lives. Connect with us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Mike, would you lead us in worship this morning? Amen. And the Job 19.25 says, I know that my Redeemer lives and on the earth again will stand. Do you believe that Jesus is alive and will again stand on planet earth? If so, let's sing, My Redeemer Lives. Thank you to Tyler Granados, who's visiting with us today, and uh, thanks a lot, Tyler. Good to have you here with us again. God bless you, man. Jesus Christ, our living hope. How great the chasm. 
of Jesus Christ we have hope for life today and bright hope for tomorrow and for eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord amen and amen pastor will you come please thanks worship team I'm excited to preach this morning you know this morning one of our our college students isn't here Kyle, who normally helps on our parking team and over at the tent every Sunday morning, uh, he's the enthusiastic young man that you've probably met. He's not here this morning because at 11 o'clock, he'll be playing football. And so he is right now prepping to go to the gridiron. Later today, several of our NFL teams, including the Packers, I believe they're playing today, uh, they're going to get ready to go out on the football field. They're prepping right now for their time out there. At 2 o'clock this afternoon, something I'm very excited about, the American Grand Prix F1 is here in America today. Excited about that at 2 o'clock. And right now, those drivers and teams are prepping so that that car can drive at 200-plus miles an hour around that track. But they have to do the prep work for the moment for them to step onto the field or to step onto the track. And this morning, God wants to speak to us. So it's important that we prep our heart. We've done that in worship. And now let's pray one more time to just prep our heart to be able to hear what God wants to speak to us and for me to be able to speak it to you this morning. Lord, we thank you once again to gather together, to have the opportunity to have your word proclaimed today and to speak into our lives. Lord, while the message that we're looking at today is one that is challenging, it's one that pushes us. Lord, help us to receive the word you have for us. Help us to be able to get the hope that we need from your word today to give us the courage to step out tomorrow. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity once again to be here and to present the gospel message today to our community. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Well, I'm excited to be able to preach this message to you today. It's called The Walking Dead, The Legacy of Lazarus. There it is. After last week talking about the soundtrack of our life, I thought it would be good to add some sound effects to today's message. So one more time, The Walking Dead, The Legacy of Lazarus. We're going to take a look at the life and the legacy that Lazarus led in this moment in his life. And so as we look at this, uh, we're going to pick up in John chapter 11, verse 17. But let me give you the background for this passage of Scripture. Some friends of Jesus, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, were having an extremely difficult time. Lazarus has gotten very sick, and Mary and Ma Martha have sent word to Jesus to come so that he might heal him. And that's where we're picking up in John chapter 11, verse 17 today. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. To understand the doctrine of the time, it was said that God could resurrect someone that was dead for up to three days, but on the fourth day, he was beyond the date of return. 
The limited warranty had expired. He was no longer eligible for a money-back guarantee. See, the doctrine at the time, and doctrine means the understanding of people's uh, understanding of biblical truths. And where people were is they said, our doctrine says that, that God is not capable of raising anybody from the grave after three days. And can I tell you, sometimes we've got doctrine that we think we understand, but when doctrine comes into conflict with what God wants to do, it's our doctrine that's wrong. Because God is always right. And God wants to blow through some lines of doctrine maybe in your life that you've thought you've understood, but where he wants to take you further than you've ever gone before in the word of God. Let's go back to verse 18. As, or as we do that, we have to understand there, the opportunity in people's minds for healing has passed. Obviously, Lazarus has passed away. And according, again, to the relig- religious authority, the opportunity for miracle had passed away. That's what Jesus is walking into in verse 18. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Mary and Martha to confront them in the loss of their brother. These siblings were well-liked and well-loved by Jesus and by others. Many had shown up to walk through this very difficult time with this family. But notice, these people showed up before Jesus did. In fact, the scriptures tell us when Jesus heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. In our minds, that doesn't seem to make any sense. It doesn't seem right at all. Because we live in this culture so much in our life of instantaneous gratification that we're like, instantaneously, we want, we want God to do what we want him to do right now the way that we want him to do it. And we treat God sometimes like we do the drive-in window at McDonald's or Burger King. And we try to put in an order our way, and then when it doesn't come the way that we expect it, we complain and we get frustrated and, and we vent. But God's ways are not our ways, and he moves in ways that sometimes we cannot fathom. Verse 20 says, when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Verse 21 says, Lord, Martha sa- or the Lord, the Lord Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. God, if you would have intervened, if you would have just operated the way that I wanted you to operate, this wouldn't have been the outcome. Martha's in a very difficult place. She's in a place of grieving. She's in a place where her, her mind is frustrated. She doesn't know what to do or where to turn to. In fact, I'd say she's living in the gray. Which is our first point today. Living in the gray. Part of our human nature is we like to have everything fall into a category. We like to have everything placed in a certain way, and and there's clearly defined lines and labels for everything in our life. It's just human nature. We, We like to do that. We talk about about trying to group people in certain groups by their culture or by the color of their skin or or by what they do, their profession, or how much money they make or what type uh, of of car they drive or what part of town they live in. We, We have all these categories, all these labels. We say things are, 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 are rather in, in this category of right or in this category of wrong, and there's no in-between. But the fact is, is that sometimes life isn't black and white. 
It's not as clear as that. Sometimes there's this place that we live in in the gray, the place of the unknown where we're not sure how to process the things that we're going through because they don't seem to fit in any particular category. As Christians, how do we do this? How do we, how do we make sense of the gray when something isn't black or white? And there, there are things in our life that are black and white. There, there's no question about that. And the Bible lays out some things that, that are, are, are right and some things that are wrong, clearly. But there's also this gray area. And, and how do we begin to take the things that Jesus teaches in his word and apply them for us to be able to make process in the gray areas in life? When things don't simply fall into a category. Let me give you some examples of when people's doctrine came into conflict with the gray and what God maybe wanted to do. A couple comes into the church office with a five-year-old girl who suffers with having seizures. In fact, seizures so bad that anywhere from 8 to 12 hours a day, this child is having these seizures. Could you imagine? Working with the doctors, they finally found a medication that has taken her seizures down from somewhere between 4 and 12 hours a day to less than an hour a month. It's incredible. But the medication they found is based in marijuana plants. And I'm not saying that this five-year-old's smoking. She's not. But it's in some type of an injection that they give that's found in a marijuana plant. And this, this couple was so sure how they felt about the medical use of marijuana until it's their kid that's suffering. And then they asked the question, Pastor, what do we do? Because we're challenged here. Where do we go? Give you another, another example. Christian parents serving the Lord, doing the best that they can do. Just have their second child. They're blessed. But there was a complication that's arisen. The child was born and diagnosed with a condition that they have both sets of reproductive organs. They now have to make a decision on what to do, what surgery to have, when to have it, and they realize the weight of their decision will affect their child's life for forever. And they ask the question, what do we do? They're living in the gray. Let me give a third example. A woman who's been serving in the church for 20-plus years has been a well-respected leader in the church for 15 years comes into the church office one day and explains the story that 25 years ago, before they knew Christ, they made a decision to have a surgery that changed their gender. But 20 years ago was introduced to Jesus, and their life was forever changed. But they've held in this secret for so long. And now they ask the question, Pastor, what do we do? What do I do? And by the way, this person is not able to have another surgery because of medical issues. And they're living in the gray. They're living in the gray, not knowing what to do next. Because, see, there are times where, yes, we look in the Bible and it's like, man, my situation and circumstance match up perfectly with the situation and circumstance in this passage of Scripture. So, boom, this is how we handle it. But then there are moments where it's not, it's not clearly laid out. 
Your situation, your circumstance, the problem that you have, it, it's not written in, in exact verbiage of, of when A and B and C happen, then you just do D. What has to happen is an understanding of God's character and what the Word teaches us and how to apply it so that we can walk through and reason together to come up with solutions for when we've got problems that are in the gray. I want you to know if you're in the gray this morning with a situation or a circumstance, you're not alone. God hasn't abandoned you, and our church has not abandoned you. We will walk through it together, and God has a plan. It's not always easy. Sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes it's challenging. But we will find a way to get through together with the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit and the guidance of God's Word. We deal with issues in the gray all the time. I know that you would all love for me to tell you how those, those three stories, how they came to some type of resolution, and I'm not going to do that today. These stories are real. They're not made up. They're real. And every week we're faced with, with situations and circumstances that are in the gray, that are difficult. And when you look at, at Lazarus and Lazarus's family, they were, had this moment that they were in the gray. Let's talk for a minute about not everyone gets a Lazarus moment. How is it that we pray for someone to get healed, and in one experience they do, and in another they don't? In one instance, somebody gets their miracle, and in another instance, somebody doesn't. We prayed for, for Brad and Linda as they came down with COVID. They made it through. They're still recovering. But God moved and did amazing things and amazing miracles there. And that's awesome. And it's to be celebrated. But this last week, my daughter's one of her best friends. Her dad died of COVID complications at the age of 43 right here in Ripon. And we prayed. But God didn't move in the same way. That's hard. That's hard to process. It's hard to understand. How is it that somebody sometimes that, that we pray for who's looking for the miracle doesn't get it, and then somebody who's not even looking for a miracle gets one? I, I don't know. I don't have an answer for that. I've heard a lot of answers. I've heard a lot of people say things. I've heard people say, well, the reason that person didn't get their miracle is because of sin. And yeah, I will, I will agree with you that there are times in our life where sin, a consequence of our sin is that we have to deal with the issues that sin brings up. But I would also remind you that Jesus interacted with people who were sinners all the time, and their sin never held him back from performing a miracle in their life. I've heard not holy enough. You don't have enough faith. I remember once somebody told me, Pastor, if you had enough faith, you wouldn't have to wear glasses anymore. I thought, what? <laughs> what does that have to do with my faith? Nothing. Nothing. I've heard people say, well, they're just not a good enough Christian. I've heard you're just not a good enough pastor. If you were a better pastor, God would have moved in your life in a better way. Move through your ministry in a better way. 
Then there's the fact of obedience and lack of obedience. I'm going to tell you it's always good to be obedient to the Lord, that there are blessings that follow. But here's the real answer for why sometimes God moves in what we pray for and why sometimes he doesn't. The real answer is, is I don't know. And it's okay to say I don't know. I know right now you're thinking, this is not the message I came to church for. But can I tell you, sometimes that's exactly what God wants us to do, is to say, I don't know, God. I don't have an answer for the mess that I'm in. Because it's in those moments that God really seems to show up and be able to start giving us some peace, to start helping us process things, to speak into our life and to show up. Because when we have all the answers, it's almost like we just say, tell God, I really just don't need you because I already know what you're doing. I already know what you're up to. See, I, I think when we can admit to ourselves, to God and to others, that we just don't have all the answers, that's where we really start to experience peace and we start to get the answers that we really need. Look at verse 20. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Here's my expectations, Jesus, and you have not met them. I've been here. Where were you? We asked you to come and you didn't show up. I don't know about you, but I've been there. I've walked in those shoes. And I know that you have too. When you feel that Jesus is late to the scene and he didn't do what you wanted him to do, but that's not a sign that God's abandoned you or that he doesn't care because we read in this passage of Scripture, he is motivated. He is burdened by the fact that these two women are broken, that their brother is gone. He breaks with them. He cries with them. Verse 22 this is Martha. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to you, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. Jesus boils, down, boils this down to one thing. Do you trust me? Do you believe I am who I say I am? And Martha's answer was yes. And I want to tell you, in the moment where you're living in the gray, where you don't know what to do, the question that Jesus wants to ask your heart is do you trust me? Do you believe I am who I say I am? Because I'll tell you, if you believe that Jesus is the Messiah, if you believe that you can trust in his words and you trust God in the moment where you're in the gray, I'm going to tell you there is absolutely nothing holding you back walking through the most difficult decisions in your life. Because the maker of heaven and earth walks with you. Verse 28. After she said this, 
She went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at a place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she had gotten up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. How do you begin to make sense of a situation that's in the gray? The answer is right here for us. It's laid out. Step one, surrender. Both of these sisters had to get a point of letting go. Stop talking. Stop justifying their point of view. And just surrender to Jesus. They had said their peace. They had told God they were disappointed. But they came to a point of surrender. When you're living in the gray, do you get to a point where you can just say, God, I just surrender? We've all been there. We've been exhausted of the fight. We've been exhausted uh, of having to push through difficult times. We've all been there. Are we willing to just surrender to Jesus? Step two, stop trying to get the word of God to justify your point of view. We all like to pick up the word of God and go, this is why I'm doing this. And we pick one verse out and we say, this is it. And we seem to be blind to the whole rest of the other parts of the Bible. And we might be missing some very critical steps. We stop trying to get the word of God to justify our point of view, and we let the word of God create our points of view. It puts us in a place where we can become dependent on Christ. We can be assured that God has this well in hand because his word is true and his word can be stood upon in difficult times. It was the word spoken to Peter that allowed him to walk on the water. God wants to speak his word into your life, but are you willing to dig a little bit to lay down your own preconceived ideas and to say, God, instead of me having a point of view and trying to justify it with your word, would you give me a point of view? Would you create a point of view in my life to help me get through this situation that I'm in? And the third thing is to trust the word of God. When all else fails, when all things fall apart, God's word can still be trusted. John 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. John 1, 14, the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory and the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. Jesus is the living Word of God. They are one and the same. You cannot separate them. And the living word was before Mary and Martha, and this is what the living word said. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And Jesus wept. Jesus cares. Jesus cares for you. He cares about the burdens that you carry, the things that weigh you down, the overwhelmed mind that you have this morning, the difficult situations that you're facing this week and the weeks to come. God cares. God cares when your heart is broken. He cares. When you weep, he weeps with you. 
verse 36. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Because look, everybody's got an opinion about your situation that you're in. We've got our own opinions and then everybody else has one. And here we hear the critics saying, surely the guy who could do all these miracles, how he, should, he could have been able to keep Lazarus from, from dying, should have kept him alive. All the critics are talking. All the voices are out there. But Jesus took the criticism and he moved on because his plan was bigger than people's criticism. God's plan is bigger than people's opinions. And this morning there might be people who have criticized you and decisions and choices that you're making, but you're doing your very best to do what God's asked you to do. Keep following Jesus. Let his voice be louder than those who criticize you for taking steps of faith. As long as your steps of faith are ordered by the Lord. Verse 38, Jesus once more, deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But the Lord said to Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time, He's got a bad odor, Jesus. He's been in there for four days. Remember, the doctrine was that God couldn't do anything at this point. The doctrine said, God can't help you pass these three days. That's what people believed. That was their understanding of what God was capable of doing. But they were wrong. Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? Jesus may not do what you want him to do. But will you let him do what he wants to do in your life? And look what he asked the people. He didn't ask them to go raise Lazarus from the grave. He said, look, you take the stone off the cover of the tomb. I'm going to do the rest of the work. We just have to be obedient to what God asks us to do in the process that we're walking through in the gray. Are you willing to just obey what God asks you to do? And sometimes what God asks you to do is far less than what we think God's asking us to do. All Jesus asked him to do was to take the stone away. Verse 41, so they took away the stone, and Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for their benefit, for the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and the cloths around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off his grave clothes and let him go. Jesus speaks through his words today. When you're in the gray, and you don't know what to do, I want to assure you of this. Jesus knows what to do. Jesus knows what to do if you're willing to surrender and ask him to speak through his word to you. Not every problem that we face has a one-size-fits-all solution. What worked in one case doesn't necessarily work somewhere else. We learn this as being pastors of churches. Just because another church operates in a certain way, does things a certain way, doesn't mean that God has said that we're to do those things that way. God expects us to be obedient to him, not obedient to someone else, not someone else's ministry, 
God wants us to be obedient to him, what he's calling us to do in this moment, right here in Ripon, right here in your life. God has a solution for you. There's a lot of things I don't know in life. But I do know this one thing. Every person needs a Lazarus moment. And I know what you're thinking, because this is the last point in our message. But, Pastor, you just said not everybody gets a Lazarus moment. Not everybody gets the healing that they're looking for, gets the miracle that they're looking for. And that's true. Absolutely. But everybody needs a Lazarus moment, and that's true. And let me explain why both of these can be true. So everyone may not get the the healing that they're looking for. You may not get the miracle that you're looking for. God may not move in your life the way that you're expecting him to. For Bree, this last week when her father died, she didn't get the miracle she was hoping for. But God's not done writing in her story. And I'm so blessed to know that she's got a friend like Riley in her life that cares about her and will walk with her. See, the story here about Lazarus is a physical example about the spiritual healing that God wants to take place in every person's life. Ephesians 2.1 says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sin. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The only way people can ever get a spiritual healing is for them to find Jesus. Because if we find Jesus, one day the physical healing, it's absolutely going to come. Maybe it doesn't happen on this plane. Maybe it doesn't happen on this earth while we're living. But for those who find Jesus, we get a new body, we get a new life in heaven to be with God for forever. And it's going to make what all the difficulties, all the gray that we had to walk through in this life, It's going to be like, well worth it, well worth it. We won't even think about it because it is going to be so amazing when we're with Jesus in heaven. But the only way that people can find Jesus is if somebody tells them about Jesus. They've got to hear the gospel. Matthew 28, 19, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. The church culture for far too long, especially in America, has said, you know what? Come into the walls of our building. Come and see what God can do for you. But I want to tell you, while that's what the church may have been saying, I want to tell you what Jesus has said to the church. Go tell and serve your community. It's not a a what if or, hey, this is a good suggestion. It's a commandment from God. Go and tell people. Go and serve people. Where to go? Life is meant to be lived outside the walls of this building. In your home, in your workplace, on your campus. God has positioned you for such a time as this. Pastor, you just don't understand how difficult it is right now. You don't understand how hard it is. Let me tell you, the hardest place probably to live right now on the face of this earth is in Afghanistan. There's not a political message. I'm not going there. The church is under tremendous persecution. 
Do you know this morning around the world, the church is growing the fastest in Afghanistan? God is faithful. I know it's hard. I know right now it is weird in our country. Everybody's just got to be right about everything, and you can't, there's no middle ground anywhere. But God has called us to go and to be the middle ground. That's where Jesus is. Jesus is at the center. And he has called us to go and share and tell and serve. I want to do this. I want to pray for two things this morning. I know I've preached long, but I hope the word is spoken to your heart. I want to pray first for those here this morning who need a Savior. You don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, but you want to have one. You need a Savior. You need somebody to save you from yourself, to save you from your sin, and to save you from the situations that you're going through right now. You can relate with this whole gray thing, walking in the gray, not knowing where to go. God wants to speak to you right now. He wants to give you the opportunity to have a relationship with him. So would you pray with me? Lord, I'm not perfect. I'm messed up. I've got issues. Lord, we realize the thing that separates us from you is sin. The definition of that is missing the mark. It's imperfection, and I'm imperfect. But God, you say that you want a relationship with us. And in this moment, I'm taking a leap of faith. And I'm going to say, Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God, that you came, that you died, and that you rose again. Just like this verse that we read, you said that you are the resurrection and the life. So, Lord, I believe that you conquered death, and I believe you're calling me this morning, and I want to have a relationship with you. Jesus, would you come into my life? Would you change my life? Would you take over at the steering wheel of my life? God, would you change my life for forever? I'm tired of doing life on my own. I need a Savior this morning. If you prayed that prayer with me today, I want to welcome you to the kingdom of God. And we want to walk with you and help help you grow in your relationship with Jesus so that you can find the answers that you're looking for. For everyone else this morning that's here, I know there are several of you walking through the gray. You're living in the gray today and you don't know what to do. So I'll share this one last thing with you today. It's one of my favorite scriptures of all time. It's Romans chapter 8, verses 38 and 39. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any power, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is Jesus Christ our Lord. If you're going through the gray today, but you've got a relationship with Jesus, you're going to make it. You're going to make it. Because God has not abandoned you. And because God's grace is so great. Think about this for a moment. God's grace is so great that it covers us in our sins. When we come to a saving relationship with Jesus, his grace covers us. And if it's able to deliver us out of our sin and out of our bondage, I'm going to guarantee you this. God's grace is good enough to get you out of the gray situation you're in today. But pastor, what if I make the wrong call? What if I make the wrong decision? Grace is there. 
if grace was so abounding that it found us when we were in rebellion against God, how much more so the case when we've got hearts that are desiring to do what God wants us to do, and if we make the wrong decision, don't you think God's grace is big enough to catch you? Absolutely. But the biggest thing is that we must have Jesus as our Savior. I go back to that point time and time again. Church, I know you're frustrated. I know you're tired. I know it's been difficult. But don't stop sharing, serving, and going to our community. This is our hour. This is our time to run with the baton and to take the gospel message everywhere we go. Not in an act saying that we're better than anybody but in an act of service like our Savior did, we come and we serve. We come and we live life with others. I want to pray for you this morning if you're living in the gray. You've got difficult decisions to make. You don't know how you're going to make it through. I want to tell you, nothing can separate you from the love of your Savior this morning. And he has a plan. Lord, we thank you. That, God, when we don't know what to do, you know what to do. Lord, when we're confused, when we're lost, when we're, we're in those places of gray where things don't fit into a certain category, Lord, that you have a plan. Lord, we need to remember that you're our Savior. We need to remember that your ways are not our ways. Your ways are higher than our ways. Your ways are bigger than our opinions. They're bigger than our preferences. And that, Lord, you have a plan to bring us through the gray in our life. God, I thank you for the guidance your word gives us. And I thank you for a church body that says we do life together. That we walk together when it's difficult. Lord, I thank you. That you are a loving, gracious God, and even in the midst of difficult times, you are on the move. You bring hope, you bring peace, you bring comfort, you bring strength. And God, we step into those things this morning to do what you've called us to do this week and beyond. To be the church, to be your people, and to love people. And to show them the gospel by what we do and by what we say. Lord, we give you all the glory this morning. And would you step into the situations that are present today in our church body and in our community? Would you give us guidance? Would you make our path straight? Would you show us what we need to do? And Lord, would you give us the courage to do what you ask us to do? Lord, I thank you for this amazing church. I thank you for the amazing opportunity you've given us to reach this community. God, I thank you for the great so many lives that are being touched and changed and transformed. Lord, help us to continue to be obedient and to see you do greater and greater things in and through our lives. We give you praise, glory, and honor today. And God's people said, hey, before we leave today, let's, now remember, that person is really excited. <laughs> now remember this morning, I told you about the prep work that we got to do. You got to prep to be ready for the race. But you know what? We want to finish strong. And I want to seal what God's spoken to you today through his word before we leave this place. The best way I know how to do that is worship. The best way I know how to do that is worship. 
So our worship team is coming back. They're going to play one more or two more songs for us to give us the opportunity just to have that moment in your car or sitting out here today, to have that moment to seal this, to have the Holy Spirit speak into your life before you leave here. Mike will pray and dismiss the service you can give as you leave. I want you to know we stand with you, church. When things are difficult, I may not have the answers, but I know the person who does. And you know what? We can reason together. We can seek God's word together. And we can find a solution to any problem because we're going to do life together. Amen? Let's worship God one more time. And you know what? Just, just for the fun of it, Anthony, can you play that sound effect one more time? I love it. Let's worship God one more time, church. Hallelujah. I'd like to do a song that I just learned on Friday. We're just going to do a little chorus. Some of you may have heard this on, on Christian radio, <clears throat> and you don't have the lyrics for this because uh, uh, I learned this after uh, we went to print already on the week for the worship schedule. So we're going to sing a song called Rise Up, just to uh, reinforce Pastor's message on Lazarus and about how we as individuals in the church are to rise up in the power of the resurrection. I'm going to start this off. church.
give life. You give life. You are love. You bring light to the darkness. You give hope. You restore every heart that is broken. So we 
pastor said, as we give of ourselves, as we surrender to him, to Jesus, as we trust in him, and we seek to obey him in every area of our lives, may we also seek to please him and to give this morning. As you go, you can give of your tithes and your offerings in the giving tubes out as you exit. I'd just like to leave you with the blessing of the Apostle Paul. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Can we get one more honk for Jesus? Hallelujah. The Lord bless you all and keep you. Have a great day in the Lord as we go together, having the unity of the Spirit in the bonds of this peace. It's your breath in our lungs so we pour out your praise pour out our praise It's your breath in our lungs so we pour out our praise to you only It's your breath in our lungs so we Oh, mm-hmm.